What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories. Bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Honestly, this podcast should be about how amazing Nazem Kadri was coming back and playing the role of hero in game four. We didn't even know if he was going to play in the Stanley Cup final. He scores an overtime winner and the Avs have a 3-1 series lead. But then John Cooper tells us to check the tape. You know, I've been part of some heartbreaking losses and, and defeats to, to teams that that took us out and been with a group that just fights and fights and fights and they fought their way to to a third Stanley Cup final in a row. And in a cap era, when when it's so damn hard and the r- rules are put against you, because you know the, the league wants parity, and I love that about the league, and that's what makes it tougher. And this, just watch this team, what they've gone through, and the battling that's gone on, and and we're all in this together: players, coaches, refs, everybody. But it just it just this one's this one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on it was potential I don't know I, it's hard for me this is going to be hard for me to speak I'm going to have to speak I'll speak with you tomorrow you're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal and I my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing um, I'll be available tomorrow. Siege. Like, I've, been, I've spent hours after that game was over looking at tweets, looking at videos, looking at photos, trying to determine my own conclusion about this, seeing other people's conclusion about it, thinking about how John Cooper reacted. How do you feel about how the ending of game four and how everything went down? Let's talk about this. Well, John Cooper is a skilled lawyer by trade. And so yes. I think I think when you step back from it, it's a it's a masterful way to approach it. He didn't come out swinging at anyone. You know, mention how proud he is to be part of the league and how everyone's in it together. But he's heartbroken for the players. You know, look, I I really do believe he has the point um, that that there's there's an early change there from Kadri coming off the bench. But I also believe if if you were to have a camera on the bench throughout a game, that this this sort of thing does happen quite a lot. I mean, there's, there's chaos and line changes. I know the rule allows for basically a five foot area around the bench where a player is considered on because, you know, line changes are not going to be perfect or seamless or, you know, um, there's, there's sort of a fluidity there. 
Um, but, you know, this was a coach who managed to, I think, take some heat off his team in a sense because he's really commanded what everyone is talking and writing about on the series leading into game five. And, you know, as I say, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the idea because, you know, I, I, I do think that, that you know, that, that could have been blown down. I mean, let, let's, let's say it, but it's also not so egregious that it, it necessarily sh- should have been. And look, Tampa, you know, Tampa, I almost want to eulogize the lightning right now. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I know I've been guilty <laughs> of that series, but they played so hard in that game. There's guys blocking shots, like going down the tunnel injured. They're already missing Braden Point, And we know Kucherov left uh, game three and he's hurting and, and Hedman hasn't looked himself, although he had a really great game four, I thought. I mean, you just – his guys had given everything, but they, they were completely underwater in overtime. You know, there was two shots that, that hit iron in, in the overtime period. There was a breakaway by Logan O'Connor that Vasilevsky had stopped. I mean, I just think that it was a, it was a nice way to, to turn the tide. And, you know, I, I, I guess my question is this, Julian. Is there a world where the NHL wants to review sort of every goal for this kind of infraction? And um, – I, I don't believe there is, you know, we're, we're reacting in the moment here. Maybe, maybe I'll have a different opinion in time, but um, I just think line changes and things like that, it, it, there's, there's a fluidity to it. It's not ever probably going to be perfect. And so John Cooper controlled the narrative, but unfortunately the series isn't under protest. The goal is going to stand. And uh, I think it still should be on about Nazem Kadri's moment too. I, I really I understand for the purposes of our conversation, we'll, we'll talk about the sort of controversy, but uh, that was, that's, that's going down in Stanley cup history. What, what happened there, um, you know, from the, from him playing, you know, less than three weeks after thumb surgery. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's something I'll never forget being in the building. What a, what a cool thing to see. And, and, you know, was shades of Patty Kane from 2010 too, with a little bit of a delayed celebration. Yeah, seriously. Just, just seeing that goal go in, I was like, wait a minute. Did it go in? I I really couldn't tell in the moment until you notice it being wedged uh, in the mesh of the at the top of the net. And again, I just think it's a really amazing story. The fact that we generally couldn't tell if 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 Nazem Kadri was going to be available. We saw him skating for days. He wasn't really doing a he wasn't really doing a lot of stick work when he was doing that skating. And then he shows up for game four with the regulars. You see the, the shot from while well, watching from home, obviously, uh, but sports that has this like great shot of like him, like in between, like uh, uh, I think it's Miko Ranton and Orlando Scott, but Nathan McKinnon is flanked by him. He's right there in front. This dude is ready to play. And Jared Bednar saying there's no restrictions for him. And he goes out and he does that. Like we, this should be the Nazem Kadri podcast. This should be the postseason. And it could still be the postseason for Nas and Kadri. But instead, John Cooper, you know what? I don't know if I, I think the refs got it right because of how wild the line changes could be because of how Nathan McKinnon was coming off the ice and wasn't really a part of the play. And even if you look at it, the Lightning also had too many men on the ice and some of the extra guys weren't part of the play too. But you bring up a really great point about eulogizing the lightning. We know the series isn't over yet, but I feel John Cooper came from a place of emotion. He knows he needed to win that game. He knows he needed that win in order to give his team a variable chance at still winning this series. They have to go back to Denver and hope they don't get stomped on a Friday night with a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There is a, there is a chance that this dynasty that they were trying to lead to 
could end. And I think the way that whole presser started after the game came from a point of emotion. And whenever he realized that there were too many men on the ice, that's what just kind of buried in his mind. And he really wanted to speak honestly, but he knew he couldn't. And now he, you know, say if it's melodramatic, if you want, but now he, he, you're right. He did put the narrative on himself. He put a lot on himself with that conversation. Well, and let's be honest, the lightning will know this better than anyone. The playoffs success is, is really about not making excuses. And I don't think as an organization, they are a team that makes excuses. They played through a lot. You know, they were the bubble champs. I know some people want to attach an asterisk to that. I think that was a harder cup to win just to stay in it mentally while living behind a fence for two months. hundred um, percent agree. And so, you know, that I, I just think that, so I'm not saying they're an excuse making team, but, you know, Kadri gets that pass, great pass up from Lekkinen, from Camper, and he's basically one on three in the moment. And so even if he, he even if while acknowledging it looks like a baby about four seconds early, his line change, it's not like he got sprung on a breakaway by, you know, at, at a, a shifty line change. I mean, he still made a play. And I think in his heart of hearts, when, when the emotion has gone away, you know, John Cooper will always, because sports is all about this sports, no matter the outcome of a huge game or huge series, it's always, there's an element of what could have been for a team, you know? So, so he might still think that what could have been, but I think when John Cooper is removed from this moment, he'll acknowledge still that, okay, early line change, but someone's got it. Someone's got to play him better. Sergachev has to not get beat by Kadri or, you know, maybe Vasilevsky makes that save or something of that nature. I mean, I think ultimately the game wasn't, wasn't, there's not a lot of injustice here is kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, and to, to believe in that, you have to believe that referees aren't going to be perfect. You have to sort of acknowledge or accept that there's going to be things that happen in a game. And, you know, that was Nazem Kadri's moment. And, you know, he was limited. Like that's, that's the crazy thing. He didn't take one face off in that game. And for context, in game two of the Western Conference Final, his last healthy game, he took 15 face-offs. So, you know, typically he's someone the Avalanche are throwing out there for a lot of key draws. Um, you know, if, if his hand, you know, I'm told he's dealing with pain and discomfort in that, that hand. It's a control hand on a stick. I don't, I don't think he can shoot too well. If, if you really see, there was one really good replay. I saw Julian, not sure if he caught it, where it almost looks like he just like slices. He almost like chops at the puck after he gets around Sergachev, like it's clear he can't lean into the shot like he would want to in normal circumstances. I mean, what a dramatic moment. What an awesome playoffs Kadri's had, you know, not to take us back there, but remember all the crap he dealt with in St. Louis yes. um, with the Islamophobic and racist messages that he was receiving on, on social media, respond to the hat trick. You know, he had a three assist period in the Western Conference final. Um, you know, all primary assists, like where he was really turning the game. He scores that goal. I mean, he's he's had a, a real impact on this Avs run, and I don't, I can't imagine him scoring a bigger goal than that in his life. And, and you know, just give, given everything around it, it, it's not quite the the sort of Steven Stamco scoring on one of his five shifts in, in the 2020 bubble in the Cup final against Dallas, but it's it's a little bit like that. Just just somehow finding a way. Um, you know, pretty, pretty awesome stuff from him. And, and as I say, a lot of games end up sort of disappearing into the ether. You sort of forget the details over time. I don't think we're going to forget that goal. And, and I, I really do believe in time. It won't be about the controversy. It's going to be about 
Kadri and his moment. A few more questions about this. Something that just came to mind. Friday night, Ball Arena, game five of the Stanley Cup. Let's say Colorado is leading in the third period and you are given a ballot to vote for who's going to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Yes, Kale McCarr, probably deserving of that honor. And totally fine if you're not able to answer in the moment. But do you think with how Nassim Kadri played in that game four and everything that he's endured to this point, do you think that, you know, if the Avs are able to close this out, that there might be some people who think, you know what, let's lean into the narrativeness of all this and vote for Nazem Kadri to win the Consumite Trophy? Like, that, that's a thought I'm, I'm, I'm reckoning with right now. I, I think it's possible. Look, the, the Consumite balloting, you, get, you, you pick your top three players. And I think he's certainly worthy of a spot in the conversation for being in the top three. Like, I don't think that's a stretch. I don't, I don't even know that it's necessarily pure narrative. Um, you know, he missed four games ultimately but with, with the, the, the hit from Vander Kane. You know, it's totally not his fault. You know, it's dangerous play resulted in a suspension to Kane. And when he's played, it's just hard not to, not to argue. He's been one of their most valuable players. I think, I think the numbers reflect that, the, the moments reflect that. And I actually don't believe – and, and you, you might disagree with this, but I, I don't believe that there's anything wrong with a, a somewhat narrative-based vote when you get to the consmite. I mean, part of the playoffs, like without getting too philosophical, like the playoffs themselves are a little bit random. Um, you know, a lot of stuff happens for any team that wins a cup. And so the person that's in the middle of it all and, 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 doing things in that moment and, and giving you the memories. Like, I think that person should be the MVP. Um, and so I, I'm not making a case here for, for cadre number one, because I, I really do believe Makar has been their most viable player. I, I, I have trouble even, even just for the sake of making an interesting, you know, segment on the pod, I have trouble coming up with an argument against him as the number one vote, but it wouldn't surprise me to see cadre get, get top three consideration. And, and, I, look, he's worthy of it. He's over a point a game, and he's he's had just some some real special things happen for him this this playoffs. And um, you know, nothing nothing beats that game four overtime winner though. I mean, that's that that's that's the cream of the crop. I don't even know if he can shoot the puck really, honestly. Like that's I don't know I don't know where that came from. And he makes a move on Sergachev, backhand yes. forehand move. Um, that's 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 all will there, buddy. It's all will from even getting in the game. I mean, he thought his he thought his season was done when he had the surgery, and so, you know, to to find a way back uh, is and then have that is, is how cool is that? By the way, I don't have a problem with people leaning into narrative for for folks like that. Like I I I think it would be a great story if Nasim Kadri won the Conn Smythe after everything he endured after the postseason he's been having. But I also would not cause a stink if Kale McCarr, who has put himself in a position where, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best, he's the best defenseman in the game right now. I think the Norris Trophy cements it. And for him to cap off this week, winning a cup would be one of the best weeks anybody could have. So I have no problem if Kale McCarr ends up doing it. But I think Nassim Kadri being considered, like, that's that's pretty dope to see. And I just, I just feel, I just, I have to think, if I had the opportunity to do so, it would it would be something 
Nazem Kadri's chances would be barreling in my mind for a good chunk of that game. And I would think very long and hard about it if it got to a point where it ended in game five. If it doesn't do that, then game six, game seven, there's still time for other heroes to emerge. But I feel if you're considering Nazem Kadri for the Smythe, it's not a wrong thing. If you vote for him to win it, I think that's still a really, really good pick. I, I don't have any issues with that. He's had a great postseason. And you're right. That shot he puts up in overtime, like he kind of slices it. Like it's not even like a full energy shot. Like, yeah, like th- what a story this is, man. This is so cool. So I watched Kadri's practice on Tuesday. Like I literally sat in the stands. It was an optional skate. So so Jared Bednar actually spoke during the, the practice. Like, you know, in a normal day, I'd probably be, you know, in the in the press room for that. But I just I decided to skip it. I just had sort of a feeling. And it was so fascinating to watch him go. Like I actually, I ended up sort of writing a story about what he did at practice. Cause it seemed to me like he was, it, I kind of, I guess got the sense he was going to play just cause he was out there for 30 to 40 minutes and everything he did was with purpose. He's, he's, you know, and he gets a teammate to come over and he engages in a stick battle just to see like, obviously how his hand feels. He's going around by the glass and literally like putting his hands up as though if he was taking contact, like how his hand would feel pushing against the glass. He's, he's obviously taking shots and stick handling. He's tipping pucks at one point, even had a teammate just rimming passes around the boards to see how he would take the, the, the passes off, off the, the boards. Like, it, it was so interesting to see kind of his process there. And, you know, I, I would love to know what, like maybe if they win, he'll tell us what percentage he's at. Like, I think, you know, Andrew Cogliano said he's moved, his timeline moved up months, not weeks. So, like this is this would this is a very significant injury that that typically a guy's not playing and and you know we we get into dangerous ground at times when we celebrate you know players who play through pain or or you know it, it's it's kind of not always a positive aspect of the sport but um you know it's it's hard to you just you just tip your captain finding a way back in obviously he's had a lot of situations of his own doing. Uh, Kadri in terms of, you know, things that have gone wrong for him, things he's had to battle through in his career. And, you know, he's a, he's a resilient guy. And, and you know, I, I just, I can't help but, but think like what, what a cool moment for him, for his family, you know, 13 years into a career, you know, he's played 800 games and the games he missed at the start of the series were by far the biggest games he could have played. He'd never been beyond the second round uh, until this, this, this playoffs. And so, that's that's kind of what the cup's all about, right? We talked earlier, I know in a previous pod, like the older players that find a way to win. Um, you know, the, this 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 will be something special, I think, for him if if he can, he and the Avs can get one more. Okay, last thing because I don't want to keep David Bastel from Sports Interaction waiting too long. Just to bring it back to John Cooper here, in the prep, were you in the room for that? Could you give me a sense of like what everyone was feeling when? John Cooper said what he said and kind of went about it the way that he did. Like, I, I feel like it had to have been awkward. I don't know if I call it awkward. It was, it was one of the stranger post-game press conferences I, I've ever been part of. The question from uh, the reporter, Eric Erlinson was, was essentially, you know, did you guys shoot yourself in the foot by having such a great first period and only being had one nothing when it ended? So it had nothing, you know, the, 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 the question that was asked, it was a one and only question had nothing to do with where Cooper took it. He, he answered that, that aspect of it briefly. And then it did feel like he was going into a eulogy. It felt, you know, he's just talking about how proud he is to be part of the NHL and 
being with this group that fights and fights and fights and how the rules of the league are there to pre prevent them getting to three straight cups. And the whole time I'm like, what's going on here? And like, obviously he was emotional. I was in the second row. I was you know, pretty physically close to where John was at the podium. So I could see his facial reaction clearly. And, and then, you know, at that moment, I was not aware at all that there were six players on the ice, you know, just prior to that goal, like the, in watching that in real time, it was not evident to me. And, and so then everybody goes scrambling for their phones. Um, you, know, you have Mike Stevens tweet out that the fact the NHL initially had six skaters on the, on the game sheet, which, which later got fixed. Anyway, it was, it was pretty unique and, and memorable in itself. And, you know, even if you have a point there, shit happens, man. Shit happens. That's, no one's going to like that. And if I would get it, if you're a fan of the lightning or if you're emotionally invested in the series, you're probably mad about it. And I, I, I really don't blame you, but this is, this is what happens. Like it's, it's bouncing rubber on ice. It's, it's a crazy game and to win it is so hard. No one knows that more in Tampa. I just wonder if we saw their last punch there. It's, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to see them getting up off the mat. It's clear they're injured and, and they played so much and, um, tough way to have that game end but uh you know Colorado just looks too strong to me at this point yeah I I'm, I'm with you there a shout out to Mike Stevens also for for tweeting out that photo and with that it's time to bring on David Bastel from Sports Interaction as always if you're playing Sports Interaction this is 19 plus we ask that you play responsibly and there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the NHL awards, let's get to that. They were handed out on Tuesday night. 
doesn't seem as if there were any real surprises. Uh, Austin Matthews wins the Hart Trophy. Kale McCarr wins the Norris Trophy. I was wondering if people would go for Roman Yossi. We'll get to Roman Yossi in a second, but Kale McCarr wins. Igor Shosturkin wins the Vezina Trophy. What were your takeaways from the NHL Awards night? Yeah, it was basically as I, I, I saw it, actually, you know, I don't vote on the Vezina. That's done by the NHL GMs, but any of the awards... Yes. I had to say, and obviously I don't vote on the Ted Lindsay, that's the NHLPA players, but all the awards handed out this week were my number one pick was the, the, the person who ended up with the trophy in his hands. So, you know, for me, I would say not surprises because those, you know, those were the players I identified as being number one. You know, the Norris was by far the closest. Yossi actually had, you know, more first place votes than, than Kale McCarr in 98 to 92. I think a couple people might have left Yossi right off their ballot. Uh, which is a bit of a head scratcher for me. You know, I, I come at awards this way, Julian, I'll tell you, I don't think that there's always a right answer. I think that, that you know, each individual can look at the circumstances, do their, their own process and, and make a case. Okay. Connor McDavid should be the heart or Austin Matthews. But, but I do think that you should be zeroed in on the right people. And it's, it's hard to imagine to me that, that anybody could deem Yossi not part of their top five, but, you know, at the risk of digressing, I'm with you. It was, uh, it, it, it was the, the, the crop I expected to win. Mort Sider, you know, winning the Rookie of the Year from Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, we might be a few years away from talking about him being a Norris finalist. I think that, that I think that's his ceiling. That's his potential. Um, you know, it's up to him to get there in these future seasons. But, um, you know, pretty special night for Austin Matthews and his family. You know, saw them and know them a little bit to say hi and and. They were, they were pretty excited, as you'd imagine. I mean, now he's, he's basically won every individual award you can win um, because he's got two Rocket Richard trophies and to have a heart and a Ted Lindsay. He won the Calder in his first year. Um, you know, it's all about Stanley Cup for Austin Matthews from here on out, um, as long as he's in the league. That, that, that's going to be the, the one missing spot on his mantelpiece that he'll have saved. So, um, you know, it was it, – it, I think in, under the circumstances, it's not ideal to do it during the Cup final, but – it was a funny show. Keenan Thompson had, had a few laughs out of me while I was watching it. And uh, I think the right guys got their hands on the trophies uh, that night. I want to ask a question about Austin Matthews. But before we get to that, just discussing ballots here, I'm not sure how much of it you pay attention to after the fact when they're released to the public and how people will, will talk about them. Like I saw a lot of people online going through that and making their own conclusions about how everyone voted and and I don't want to say people were shaming people, but like I I I don't know how it, it takes a lot of man, it's pretty it's not to say it's brave, but like man, I would feel very uneasy about the fact that I have to vote on these guys and then people could just kind of like look through the ballot that I put up and then they could essentially just roast me. Like the fact that someone left like Austin Matthews off the heart trophy ballot. Like that dude's getting roasted. Uh, I, I forget who, but like someone on online was making a comment about a whole bunch of Montreal guys voting for Jonathan Huberto on, on their ballot. Like so much scrutiny going around on, on how people, you know, vote for their ballots. And you're right. People, there's no real like direct right answer for this, but like, I don't know. I would feel very uneasy about the fact that like, man, like people could just roast me for, for how I vote on certain players. I don't know if you feel that way. Look, we welcome it. You know, I've been voting probably 15 years anyway now. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm a vice president with the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Um, you know, so I've, I've got some say, I guess, in the process. But when I first started voting years ago, 
this wasn't published. And, you know, I was part of the discussions behind the scenes at the time for transparency. And I believe it's the right way to go. I know that it does open you up for when there's a wonky vote here, there people get named online. I'm sure it's not a comfortable place if, if you're having your ballot dragged through the, the online mud, but I think transparency is important in, in the process. You know what I, I'm going to vote on the Smythe trophy when, when this series ends and that votes published too. And so you can come online and call me an idiot or tell me I got it wrong or whatever. Um, I still, I, th I think it's the right way to go. I think it's the right thing to do. I, 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 I personally appreciate that we do it. We also publish if, you know, if someone messes up their ballot and it doesn't count, yes. if, you, if you've inadvertently, you know, it's, it's kind of a convoluted process when you vote, but if, if you only put down four people by accident, for example, at the Hart Trophy, I believe you're, you're, none of those four votes count. You have to have five. So, um, you know, we're, we're completely open and honest about who votes for whom. Again, I think when you tally up the 195 votes, we get it right. But within that, there's there's some interesting choices or, or ones that are hard to defend. And, and I think you live with that as long as you're you're delivering the right winners. So, um, yeah, it's 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 part of it. You know, we live in an online world where a lot of people take heat, whether it's the players, whether it's the media, people asking questions, coaches, you know, that that's 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 sort of the standard we live, live up to in society. And I'm, I'm actually glad that, that these votes are published, even if, uh, you know, one day it might mean that I'm, I'm going to be trending on Twitter for a reason I don't want to be. Uh, no one asked for my ballot, but um, uh, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Igor Shosturkin, Johnny Gaudreau, and Kale McCarr would have been one through five for me for the Hart Trophy. Again, no one asked, but I just felt like sharing that. With Austin Matthews, though, uh, a lot of people are saying he is the gloat. Uh, after this week's win, uh, greatest leaf of all time. Uh, do you agree? Is it are we are we a little jump of the gun here? How do we feel about that? No, I, I think it's a completely fair thing to say. And you know, with respect to some of the players that played, say in the '60s, when the Leafs won four cups in that decade, and, and obviously well before my time walking the earth. You know, he's the first real superstar this organization has had. Um, you know, it's, it's just funny the way these things bounce, like teams like Edmonton, obviously over the years, have had multi-generations of superstars. The Penguins go from Lemieux and Yager to, to Crosby and Malkin. Um, the Leafs have never had a player that's really been considered the, the best in the world or one of the best in the world. And, you know, it had been since 1955 since the Leaf won the Hart Trophy. It was the first time they ever won. Uh, the Ted Lindsay or, or it was, you know, the preceding award was called the Lester B. Pearson. Um, you know, when Austin Matthews won the, the heart, the Calder trophy earlier in his career, I believe he was the first Leafs since like 1930 something uh, or 1960 something. Anyway, the, the point is, is this guy's re rewritten their, the record book. He now owns the best season with 60 goals. You know, the, the, the prior franchise record was 54 in an era when goals were easier to come by. So I, I, I think that that talk is not premature. Whether he really goes down as the greatest leaf of all time will probably depend on how much time he plays in Toronto, which is not to raise the specter of him leaving. Um, but, you know, we don't yet know. He's, he's got two years left on the, the current contract. If, if you tell me he's going to play another five or six or seven years as a leaf, I, I can't imagine he won't go down at like 100% in everybody's minds as the greatest leaf. But in terms of his high end, you know, Matt Sundin had so many great years, for example, in a row as a leaf. Pretty consistent 80-point guy, give or take. 
for a number of seasons, but he was never a 106 point player with a 60 goal season, you know, getting significant heart trophy consideration. So, um, you know, Austin Matthews is the best the Leafs have ever had. And, um, you know, I, I think his legacy will be cemented if they can go on a playoff run too. It's, it's not to certainly blame all these first round exits on him, but it's hard for anyone, I think, at this point to get too excited at times about a Leafs player because it's all shrouded in all these game seven losses. But, you know, history has a way of taking care of that, especially if they go on and, and win one at some point or win a few rounds. You know, I think that that will, that will change the complexion of this conversation. But, but for me, I, it's not premature. I think he's, he's that and more with, with the, the haul he, he put in this season. Absolutely. So congratulations to him and all the other award winners at this year's NHL Awards. And a shout out to everyone who gets an opportunity to vote. Maybe one day I'll be just like you. You'll be tough. there. I think so. A bit of a tough transition here. Um, as we go from what's going on on the NHL and on the ice and with the awards to another update on the Hockey Canada scandal, which seems to escalate with all the different news that is coming out. For those who are uh, not up to date, the latest news we can that has been put out there again with the great work from Rick Westhead on TSN, Katie Strang also doing great work for the athletic. Uh, the Canadian government has frozen funding effective immediately in response to how hockey Canada has handled a sexual assault settlement involving a woman and eight players at the time who were part of uh, the CHL eight junior players and the, uh, and the government, the Canadian government will only restore that funding if hockey Canada uh, once it discloses recommendations contained in an incomplete report by a third-party law firm hired to investigate the alleged incident four years ago. I'm, I'm reading that line verbatim from a report put out uh, in CTV News. I think they took some CP wire copy. Uh, it's gotten to a point where Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, is condemning Hockey Canada for how they've handled this whole thing. Pascal Saint-Ange, the sport minister, has been on this and is essentially using this as a way to call out the uh, the the bad culture that has been permeating throughout hockey in this country. Uh, a recommended link for you if you haven't read it already. We haven't learned a damn thing, which goes in on the situation and uh, what junior hockey players go through by Katie Strang, Ian Mendez, and Dan Robson. You can read that at The Athletic. Chris, we, we've been talking about this on on the last few podcasts, and even if we're not directly reporting on it, we definitely have thoughts on it. I'm just curious with where this has gone up now, where funding is being taken away, or at least being withheld from Hockey Canada. I was wondering if you could just at least try to illustrate how big of a deal that is, because this is a big deal. For sure. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that there's going to be a full investigation here into what happened, and, and potentially a price to be paid for people that you know, had a role in, in Hockey Canada and, and, you know, getting to this settlement. And, you know, I didn't know for sure we'd get to this, but, you know, based on, on the way things have gone, it, it, it's, it's a logical conclusion. And, and um, you know, obviously it's an unfortunate situation. I mean, we, we've, we've discussed that in prior pods, but, you know, now we're, we're moving on to the stage that, okay, this has happened. You know, none of this was proven in court, of course, because there's a private settlement reach with non-disclosure agreements. But, you know, essentially, who, who gets held responsible here? And, and um, on some level, of course, it, it falls to, it should fall to Hockey Canada. And that, that seems to be what's going to happen. 
Um, you know, the next question after the, the, the government funding is being withheld is, is what do the sponsors think? And, you know, I, I don't want to be in a position where I'm predicting anything because I, I just don't, I don't know this where it's going, but you know, this is, this is shining a light on something that's, that's an uncomfortable part of the sport. And, you know, I, I, I'm very curious, you know, what, what, what this investigation turns out about how they reach that settlement. I mean, you know, the way it's been sort of portrayed a little bit is that the, the victim here, the young woman was one who, you know, wanted to keep it private that, you know, probably for her own safety, her own lifestyle. I mean, I'm not going to judge that, but you know, it, it, we don't want any element of sleeping this under the rug. And I think that's, that's clearly what's not happening now, you know, by having the, the government be involved, the, the, the questioning that, that happened in the House of Commons this week, and then, you know, where this goes next, um, will, will, I think, ensure that it's not just moved on from, it's not just, okay, you know, as, you know, funds were paid, let's, let's just pretend this didn't happen. I think there's, there's pretty clearly going to be some serious repercussions here. And one thing I, I didn't even mention while, while trying to add context to this, uh, it was revealed that at least some of the players uh, involved who were who are not identified to this point that are John Doe's at this point, a handful of them did not cooperate with uh, whatever investigation has been done so far. Uh, I want to say I'm surprised. I'm not surprised, but it is still very, I can't help but feel still at least a little bit disturbed about that. Like it, it just, you know, just as someone who just wants to see justice being, you know, given out here at the very least. Yeah. I mean, the, the NHL member Gary Bettman at the start of the, the Stanley Cup final had said that everyone had cooperated with with its investigation uh, to that point. You know, maybe 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 there'll be some force applied there that that these these players have to. But you know, obviously everyone has some legal right to representation and things like that. But but you know, this is it's it's you know, there, there's guilt. There's there's something awful happened, right? Like. We, we yeah. don't know the, because it wasn't tried in court, we don't know the exact everything. We know it was in the statement of claim. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the fact that there's been a payment made and, and the non-disclosure is the sky, I mean, that's, that's an admission of guilt. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know who the players are. You know, I know who was on that team. I don't know yeah. who did what, who led the charge, you know, all that stuff. But they do. And, and you just hope that there's, there's a little bit more, you know, consequences for those actions to, to come. As far as I know, uh, I think the only player who was on that junior team who uh, essentially went out of their way to clear themselves of any wrongdoing was Kale McCarr, who also admitted that he would cooperate with the investigation as well. It's a very serious story. It is something, again, we will continue to try to give as much time as we can. Uh, I, at this point, I'm just kind of expecting the bottom to fall out and, I don't see how Hockey Canada escapes this with no penalty at all. I mean, having their their funding be withheld is one thing, but I don't see a situation where Hockey Canada just kind of emerges scot-free, so to speak. I I, I don't see it. Something's no. going to happen. No, I mean, it's look, they're, they're already, they're already there. I mean, they got called to the house of commons and are answering questions um, about it. And, and it, it obviously doesn't stop there. So they're, they're, it's very clear there's going to be repercussions. I, I just, it's hard to say. I don't know if people are going to lose their jobs, if there's going to be some sort of sanctions brought, 
if the, if this funding freeze ends up being longer term, like like it's hard, maybe some version of all three of those things. Like I, it's it's hard for me to say because this is a little bit uncharted waters. But um, mm-hmm. there's this this is a very serious matter and it's being treated as such. Exactly, a bit of a tough way to kind of get towards our stick taps here. Um, I know Paul Maurice. There is that news where he is going to Florida. I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on that before we go to stick taps just we could we could use the monday episode to probably talk about it a little bit more but since it is something that happened in the last day let's at least get some initial thoughts in and, and maybe we can add more context to that on the monday show well a tough situation for andrew burnett you know helps the team win a president's trophy and and essentially finds himself on his way out of work you know the the, the panthers did offer to keep him around but i'd be highly surprised if that happened um you know paul maurice another coach getting in the range of $4 million, that's, that's been a common theme this year from John Tortorella to Bruce Cassidy uh, in, in, in their job hirings. And, you know, I think it's a good sign that he wants to work again. Uh, Peter DeBoer also got in that neighborhood with the, with the Dallas Stars. Yes. Um, but, you know, Maurice, remember, was essentially burnt out you know, by his own admission when he stepped aside from Winnipeg. You can understand from his situation why this is a great team to jump into, given that they did just win a President's Trophy. They're, they're on the cusp. <clears throat> and I think it's a – but I do think it's a bit of a surprising move, just given the success Andrew Burnett had with, with that team taking over from uh, Joel Quenville. So, um, you know, the coaching wheel is – the carousel spinning pretty aggressively this offseason. There's still a few more uh, positions to be filled out there in the league, but it uh, be good to have Paul Maurice back in it even if maybe we wouldn't have called this a few weeks ago. Uh, let's wrap this up with stick taps here. Uh, I'm willing to give mine to Nazem Kadri. Uh, the reason why the podcast is kind of wrapping up a little bit quickly here, uh, for those watching it on YouTube, uh, doing this in the morning, CJ has a flight to catch. As you so literally, for those not watching, he literally has just gotten up and is starting to get himself ready to go. I'm giving my stick tap to Nazem Kadri uh, for what he was able to do in game four. CJ, who are you giving it to? Man, I mean, can we, can we double stick tap Nazem Kadri? We absolutely I mean, can. I know we stick tapped them earlier too uh, with the St. Louis game, but that uh, that that was something. So I'm going to give mine to Nazem as well. And uh, yeah, I got to run to the airport. I'm sorry to sorry to race out on you, but uh, I'm worried about being late. It's an early early flight. It only took us 82 episodes for us to get to a point where CJ had to run out on an episode recording because of a flight. But here we are. Thank you to everyone for watching and listening to this episode. Siege, uh, always a pleasure doing these shows with you, buddy. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a brand spanking new episode. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. For Siege, I'm Julian. Et pour tout le monde, uh, vendredi, joyeux Saint-Jean, fête nationale. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.